Well, hello, everyone. It's definitely a blessing and our pleasure to be able to be here with you today. Um, like, like we've been saying, that it's, it's, it was difficult, actually, us getting here. Uh, we had a little bit of some tribulation trying to get our flights over here and dealing with all the COVID situations, but we also had to deal with a surgery as well. Um, so we're thanking God that we're here today. So we're going to be continuing our study in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, let's open them up. Okay. So last week, you guys finished up in chapter 9, is, is what I was told, you know, verses 35 to 38. Um, and so today we'll be working through chapter 10 together, um, pr- primarily the verses 1 through 15. Um, but it's important to remember, as we're studying through the Gospel of Matthew, is remember the theme and remember the context of Matthew, as you guys have been studying um, for several, uh, I think several months now, you guys have been going through Matthew, if I looked at the, the schedule correctly. But it's about the kingdom of God and how Jesus is the Messiah and he fulfills the Old Testament prophecies. So that's, that's, that's an important context clue as, as we dive into the scripture. Let's, let's read uh, the scripture starting in, uh, from last week, chapter 9, verse 35, all the way to chapter 10, verse 15, and then we'll pray together. Chapter 9, verse 35. I'm going to be reading from the uh, NASB. I know we got the New King James up here. Um, but it, whatever uh, Bible translation you, you can follow along as well. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And every kind of, of disease and every kind of sickness, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed. They were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Chapter 10. Jesus summoned his his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel." And you go, and as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely receive, uh, freely you received, freely give. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts, or a bag for your journey, or even two coats, or sandals, or a staff, for the worker is worthy of his support. And whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it, and stay at his house until you leave that city. As you enter the house, give it your greeting. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if it is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. Whoever does not receive you, nor heed your words, as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Will you join me in prayer? Lord God, we're just um, 
so humbled, Lord, and, and grateful to be in your presence today, Lord God, that we can be from many different nations represented here today, Lord, but we are one family in you, Lord. We're so thankful that we could be part of your body, Lord, and we pray, Lord, that your spirit be upon us today as we study through your word, Lord, that we would truly be able to hear from you, Lord God, that the spirit would be speaking through me today, Lord God, and that we would, we would um, be closer to your son, Jesus, Lord God. That's, that's our prayer. That's our desire is to be more like your son, Lord. So help us today, Lord. We love you and pray us all in your son, Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, so just a little summary from last week. Uh, as we look up uh, at chapter 9, verse 35 to 38, we see that Jesus is going through all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That's, that's the key. That's what he's preaching. And, he sees, and Jesus feels compassion on the lost sheep. And so he tells his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. So pray. Pray that there will be workers because the workers are few. And so that's where the chapter ends where Jesus beseeches the disciples to pray for workers to come. And then it's really fitting for chapter 10 to begin with, okay, now you're going out. <laughs> Jesus is sending them out right away. And, um, and not right away in the, as they're unprepared. They've been with Jesus for a long time. This is, their, this is the third journey through, um, through Galilee. So the disciples have been with Jesus, and they've seen how he does these things. And, um, and they've seen his ministry, they've seen him, him preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and so now it's their time. It's their time to step out. He's, he's prepared them enough. And that gets us into chapter 10. But it's, it's fitting to note that the Lord speaks to our own hearts in prayer. When we think about the purpose of prayer, a lot of times we think we're changing things. Lord, change this. Lord, change this in my life. You know, change this, this circumstance. But really, the Lord's changing our own hearts and our own desires to be fitting with him. We think about Moses when he, quote-unquote, changes God's mind in the book of Exodus. But really, Moses is just walking in the Lord's will. And the same with Abraham when he's asking uh, to save the, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah because his, his, his cousin Lot is there, or his nephew Lot is there. And, you know, he, he negotiates with Jesus but really, I'm not with Jesus, with God. Um, but really, we see that he's getting his own heart changed. And he's going on, the, on the, the will of the Lord. And so, similarly, we see here that Jesus is telling his disciples to pray for workers. But really, he's saying, I want you to be prepared. I'm going to send you on a journey. So that leads us to chapter 10. Verse 1 tells us, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples this is key, disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So right here, we, he uses the term disciples, students. So Jesus is calling them students. And then later in chapter 2, he calls them apostles. What's the reason for this? This is the only time in the, in the book of Matthew that we, we see the word apostles. Well, most of you probably already know the term apostle means being sent out, someone who's been sent on a mission. And so that's what he's doing. He's, they're transitioning from student into, not to master, student into uh, uh, to being on a mission, to being Jesus' witness, to being his ambassador for the kingdom. And another thing that's, that's interesting is he gives them authority. Authority to do what? Authority 
to over unclean spirits, to cast them out, to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And as we've been reading through the, the book of Matthew, we see chapter 8 and chapter 9, Jesus is doing just this. He's casting out demons. He's healing every kind of sickness. This is the Messiah's work. But now we see the disciples are being sent out as apostles to do the work of the Messiah, to announce the coming of the king. So this, this is important. It's not just, oh, you know, you know it, it, is a, it is proof that, that they are from the one. They are from God. It's, it's proof. But it's also an announcement of the king and the Messiah that is to come. Verse 2 says, now the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter. He's always first in the list. And Judas always the last. We see in all, in all, the, in all the gospels. The first, Simon, who's called Peter. And Andrew, his brother. And James, the son of Zebedee. And John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus. And Thaedas. Well, the first thing that we, we, we should note as we read through the disciples' names is that some of them actually have descriptions of, of the person. It has a name and then a descriptor, but not all of them. And so that makes you wonder, say, oh, what's, what's up with the, what's this description? It's got to be somewhat important. Well, the first one that pops up to all of us, I think, is Judas. Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. So he's also... A disciple that sent out a mission, an apostle to go out and to announce the king's coming. That's interesting because we already know the history. And the writer himself, Matthew, is telling us, yeah, he's being sent out, but he's going to betray. That's something that we find interesting. And another thing that I find more interesting is Matthew, the author of this gospel, he calls himself a tax collector. Mark and Luke call him by his Jewish name, Levi. But we know that tax collectors was a despised job in the Jewish community. And that's simply just because they didn't want to pay the Roman taxes. They already felt burdened by, by the Jewish taxes, taxes that were put upon them by the Torah. So they already had to pay the temple tax. And then on top of that, they had to pay the Roman tax. And so many, many Jews in the second uh, temple period despised that thought. And they didn't believe that, any, that there was an authority over them, even though they were under the authority of the Roman government. They didn't recognize it. And so the tax collector, the Jewish tax collector, working for the Roman government was not a job to be talked about in the, in the Jewish community. You wanted to put that to the side because they thought of you as a traitor. But Matthew calls himself a tax collector. And then as we move through the list, we see Simon the Zealot. And if you know anything about, about Jewish history, the Zealots were a political group that were very much against the Roman rule and the Roman authority and paying taxes. So you have two people. We have Matthew and, and Simon who are being sent out on a mission. We don't know if they were sent out together. We know that from the other Gospels that they're sent out in twos. But we don't know if Simon and, and Matthew were sent out uh, together but they are being sent out as a same, on the same mission. Two different backgrounds completely. But in Jesus Christ, we're all one family. We're all one and the same. And so I think that's very important, a key, a key uh, description that's put in chapter 10 here by Matthew. 
that they're two coming from two totally different backgrounds and being sent out. And there's even one person who's going to deny the faith completely and not carry on until the end, which we'll see at the end of the, of the, of the chapter. That's something that Jesus talks about. And verse 22, he says, you'll be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Lastly, I think that when we go through the, name, the, the list of these names, something that we just kind of like read real quick through, like, oh, yeah, I know the disciples. But I think it is important to, to look at it and to go a little bit deeper because this isn't, there's no special rank. There's no highly educated person in this list. They're all just lay people. You know, they're all from different backgrounds. You know, you have a tax collector, you have a zealot, you have fishermen. You have all these different types of people. But this is not the A-team. You know, we've, we've heard this a lot about the disciples. This isn't the A-team. This isn't what the mission agency would have compiled to go out on a mission, right? For the Son of, the, the, for the son of Man, for Christ, the King Jesus, these are your people, and this is what Jesus' choice was. And so, you know, sometimes we have to trust in the Lord rather than, than man, right? I think it's super important for us to, to realize that. This isn't the team that we would have chosen, but this is the team that Jesus chose. And maybe you're in a, in a, in a missions team that you go, oh, I wish we had, you know, X, Y, and Z. I wish we had a doctor. I wish we had this. I wish we had that. But at this time, the Lord has called you guys together to be unified, to be a team. I think that's really important. And Jesus, and, and, and Jesus is the one who's given the authority. The Spirit is working in and through us. It's none of our own ability. And I think that's amazing. It's actually relieving the sense of responsibility that we have when you see so much need in the world. Especially we, we're living in Southeast Asia. We see so much need, so many needy people. And we want to fill all those needs. We want to be the savior of the world. But that's not who we are. We're the ambassadors to the savior of the world. And that can lift off a lot of responsibility from us. But that doesn't mean that we sit in our homes and don't do anything. We're to be faithful servants. And we want to be be prepared. And we want to announce the coming of the king. Verse 5 through 6 says, These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them, Do not go. In the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Do not go. So this is this is interesting. So this is Jesus sending out his disciples, now apostles, on this on on this mission to announce the King. And he says, "Don't go to the Jew, don't go to the Gentiles, and don't go to the Samaritans." Wait, is that a contradiction? I thought we were supposed to go everywhere. We're in Thailand right now. This, this isn't, there's no Jews here. Maybe there's a few Jews here, but this, this isn't the lost house of Israel. So what's going on here? Well, as, as many of you may know, the, Samar- the Samaritans were half Jewish, and they were considered half-breeds, and there was a lot of reason for dislike of the Jewish people and the Samaritans people, um, especially to do with um, the way that they viewed the law and the prophets. They only accepted the law. They didn't accept the prophets at all. So they only followed Moses. Um, and you, you even notice this in the, um, the woman at the well when she's trying to distract from her sin as Jesus is talking to her. She said, oh, where are we supposed to worship? You know, on this mountain or there. 
that's all rooted in, in the theological differences where they, they, they went apart from each other. So they denied the prophets. So we see that the Samaritans had deviated from the scripture. Okay? And so Jesus says, don't go to the way of the Samaritans. Also, don't go to the way of the Gentile. Because it's first the Jew and then the Gentile. This, this isn't the Great Commission here. So a lot of us, we, we read this and we get confused about this, this, this small commission here that Jesus is doing for the 12 disciples. And we think, wait a second, isn't this supposed to be like this is us going out on a mission? And why is he excluding the Gentiles and the Samaritans? No, this is the announcing of the Messiah, King Jesus. And so go to the, go to the Jews. Go and tell them their king has arrived. Messiah is here. So, of course, we know in the Great Commission, which is in this gospel and in, in all the gospels and then Acts, we see that we're supposed to go out to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so that's where we are today. We're in the Great Commission. We're, we're going to the, the ends of the earth. And so we're, we're right on, on board with Jesus' commission. But this one is, is, is more special. It's more um, detailed towards the house of Israel. Verse 7, we find out what the message is. What are they going to preach? What are they going to do? As you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So again, like the context of this entire book, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. It's used 32 times, that phrase, kingdom of heaven, is used 32 times in this book, over 50 times talking about the kingdom of God and references to the kingdom of God. This book is all about that, and that's what Jesus is preaching. We saw that in, in chapter 9. That's what he's preaching. And so that is their message. And this is just like John the Baptist as he's announcing the Messiah. Matthew chapter 3, verse 2 Verse 1 and 2, we should look at both of those verses. This is the preaching of John the Baptist. It says, Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the disciples are going to be doing the same thing, preparing the way for Jesus, the Messiah. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then what are they going to be doing? What's their mission? What's the, what's the signs of the kingdom? Verse 8 says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. And so that's exactly what they did. They went out and they did the king's work. They announced him. We see in chapters 8 and 9, that's exactly what Jesus did. And they're just following exactly what he did. And we even see that the disciples, when they came back, they're like, you know, we tried to pass out this one Demon, it won't come out. And Jesus replies, you know, that it only comes out with prayer. So they're trying to imitate Jesus on, these, on, this, on this mission and it's to announce who Jesus is. He is the king that we've been waiting for. And verses 9 through 10, we see that these, these verses are sometimes misused, especially in the, the missionary circle. So let's, let's read these again together. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts or a bag for your journey. Or even two coats, or sandals, or a staff. For the worker is worthy of his support. Yes, and, and the worker is worthy of his support is talked about again in the New Testament. We see that in Timothy in the pastoral letters that Paul does. But here we've got to remember, this is a specific mission. Okay, The principle is there. We need to have faith. We need to trust in the Lord. But how do we know that this is not 
a, a reciprocal kind of calling for us to always do exactly like this, not acquire gold, not silver, don't bring anything, don't be prepared, just wait for the Lord, wait for the Spirit to show you. Because we don't see the New Testament Christians do this. They, yes, in principle, they walk, they walk by faith and they went to places, but they also were prepared. So we see the way that, that Paul handles missionary work and that principle is there, but not exactly to this calling as, as Jesus is calling his 12 disciples. But we know that as we're all Christians, this calling is for all of us to live by faith. It's applicable because we're all serving the king. So many times, you know, in the, the missionaries will be exalted in the church. Like, oh, these are the ones. These are the ambassadors for Christ. No, we're all witnesses. Everywhere we are, we're supposed to be witnesses of Jesus. Verses 11 through 15, similarly, sometimes are misused. We see, whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it and stay at his house until you leave that city. Okay, so they're not to be going, looking for a better place to go. Once you get there, if they accept you in, stay there. You know, don't, don't, don't be playing the field here. As you enter the house, give it your greeting. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if it's not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. So this, you know, blessing of peace was the shalom, you know, and they would, they, they would bless the house. But if they were not worthy of it and they denied the king, they denied the message of Jesus being the only way, then they were to remove that blessing. And how do they remove that blessing? Verse 14 tells us, whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. And this was really common in that day. This is what the Pharisees did. This is what the Pharisees did when they would come out of a Gentile house that was unclean. It was a way to show their disgust and their distaste for the uncleanliness uncleanliness of those people. And Jesus is similarly saying, they're not going to the Samaritan's house. They're not going into the Gentiles' houses. But Jesus is saying, you're going into a Jewish house. If they don't accept the coming of the king, they don't receive you as my ambassador, then treat them just like the Pharisees were treating the Gentiles. Unclean, unworthy. They have rejected the Messiah. I find that really interesting. And it says... Truly, I, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment for, uh, than for that city. And Sodom and Gomorrah, we all know this is the, the, you know, the main example that's, that's used in, in the Old Testament throughout, throughout the Bible of an example of the consequence of sin. And it's going to be more tolerable for the, the example of the consequence of sin than it is for the people who are denying, the, the people, the house of Israel who is denying the coming of the Messiah. So those are really strong words. You know, this, it's not wishy-washy of, of, of accepting Jesus as the Messiah, or I know he's a good teacher. You hear that a lot in, in, in Southeast Asia. Oh, he's a good teacher, you know. Um, no, he's the Messiah. He's the king. He's our Lord. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. We serve the king. So what can we take away from today? What can we take away from the scripture here? The kingdom of heaven is here now. This right here is saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's coming. Jesus is here. We know today that the kingdom of heaven is now. And we also have a future hope, of course, of the second coming of our king and the millennial reign. But right now, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. 
And you know, when we think of citizenship, we know that there's different, there's different um, rights you get as citizens, as, as you do foreigners, you know, coming as we came into Thailand. We're not citizens of Thailand, all, obviously. We're not even citizens of Cambodia, so we're having to do these visas back and forth, you know, and we're thankful to be Americans. Um, we're, my, my wife and my family is from America, and we know if there's anything that happens with us here, that there's a U.S. embassy, we have rights as citizens. We know that the, the U.S. embassy can help us out in certain needs that we have in a foreign country. Well, we're all in a foreign land, but we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and we have rights as sons and daughters of God. And that's an amazing, amazing thing. When, you can rec- when we can recognize that we are citizens, that we are sons and daughters of God, the king of all, gives us a whole different perspective in how we approach people and how we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. It's so important. And again, we are his witnesses. We're not just citizens and and just take all the blessings of being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, but we are supposed to be his witnesses everywhere we go. And now that we're in Chiang Mai today, if you're in Chiang Mai today and you leave Chiang Mai tomorrow, doesn't wherever you go, you're a witness to Jesus Christ. Every interaction you have from your family life to your coworkers to the people you meet on the street, you're the witness. And a place that this section of the world, there's, it's the 1040 window, there's very little belief in Jesus. We're his witnesses. That's an amazing, amazing responsibility to have. But again, it's not our responsibility. We're to be faithful we're not the savior of the world. We see the need again. We see the need. It's hard. It's heartbreaking. We have compassion. It's good to have compassion. It's good to see the people on the street. It's good to see the, the situations that are so difficult to digest and feel and be emotional about it. But remember that we're not the savior, but we serve him. We can pray for them. We can help where we can. But it's so important that we Share the gospel. We're to be the salt and light of this world. We have been given authority by Jesus to be his witnesses, as ambassadors of Jesus. And so we need to act like the king. Just like the ambassador of, of America or whatever country you're from has to act like the president or the prime minister. We are too to be acting like our king. And I know it's a cliche of a, of a phrase, of a question, what would Jesus do? But it's rooted in a spiritual truth that's so, so important for us to grasp. And we kind of just, could, we, we'll make jokes about, oh, what would Jesus do, you know? That's a 90s thing, you know? But it's so important. What would Jesus do today? What would Jesus do in our situation with our spouses? Are we, are we imitating Christ with our spouses, with our family, with our children, with our coworkers, or with, with we, people we meet on the street, the people we're ministering to? Are we acting like Jesus? Are we imitating Christ? Can we say, like Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ? That's hard. It's easier said than done. We could have all the theology in the world, but if we don't act like it, if we're not faithful to our king, what does it matter? What does it matter? It's so important for us to know, to, to be theologically sound and know the sound doctrine like Paul tells us in, in the, the pastoral letters. But we need to have love. We need to love like Jesus did. 
And how do we do that? Well, we, 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 we read the scriptures. I love that uh, Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel, he always says, simply teach the word simply. And that's something that's always, that's always taught, you know, it's always struck me. And as, as I did, you know, theological readings and I'm trying to, you know, be so smart and know everything, you know. And then, you know, in the real world, you don't need all those things. Those things are good. It, it's good to study. There's no, there's no knock on, on education. I love it. That's, and I have a, a Bible school in, in, in Phnom Penh for the Khmer Nationals. It's something that's, I'm really passionate about education of the Bible. But we simply need to teach the word simply. Especially the people who don't know the word getting caught up in all these other secondary issues. We need to preach the gospel. And so if, if I can encourage you anything today as we, as, we wrap up, as we wrap up our study today is let's be Christ's witnesses. Let's go out wherever your, your ministry is. I know that there's, there's pastors here, there's missionaries, there's, there's lay people, there's people from all different countries. I don't know how many countries are represented here. Maybe more than five, more than six. Quite a bit. And we have online as well. Is it Facebook, right? On Facebook as well. All over the world, we need to represent our king. So it's such easier said than done. I know I think about my own life and just just personally and my family life and my ministry life. We get so caught up in the work. And ministry is, becomes a job. Almost becomes a career. And that's... That's not the heart of the gospel. That's not the heart of the kingdom of heaven. We are to serve our master. So won't you stand with me? We pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, um, we thank you so much for your word today. Lord, we thank you that we see that your disciples went from being students to being sent on a mission, Lord God. And so many of us have been as well. Lord, we're, it's the great commission, Lord. We're all sent on a mission. Every Christian here today, Lord, hearing online, everyone, we're sent to be your witnesses around the entire world. Lord, help us to live like your son. Lord, we want to be imitators of Christ, Lord. We want to be ambassadors to the King of Kings. Lord, as we think about our ministry, we think about our, our lives, you know, our first ministry, our, our families, Lord. We want to be like Christ. Help us, Lord, to be like you. Lord, help us to be the salt and light you called us to be. We thank you that it's all on you. That authority is given from you. It's not our responsibility, Lord, that we're to be faithful to you, faithful to your calling. Help us to be able to endure to the end, Lord God. Despite our different backgrounds, we think of Simon the Zelot, Matthew the tax collector, and we think about the different uh, frictions that we have in our, in our teams, or our family life, or our coworkers, Lord God. We pray, Lord, that you would unite us as Christians together, sent on a single mission, Lord, the mission of Jesus Christ, to proclaim that he is the Savior of the world, that anyone can come to him, believe in the name of Jesus, give their life, repent, and be part of the kingdom as well, Lord. We pray, Lord, that your spirit be upon us, Lord, as we go out, out today, all of our different places, all our different homes, Lord, that you be with us, Lord. Your spirit be upon us, Lord, as, as um, opportunities arise to share the gospel. The small opportunities, Lord, the ones that we don't even notice. That it be on the forefront of our brain, Lord, 
to be imitators of you, Lord, and when necessary, Lord, to be able to share the gospel, we can use our words, Lord, we can share what the Lord has done in our lives, Lord. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. We say this all in your son Jesus' precious name. Amen.